to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. ride his chariot in his gardens as the Christians were being burned alive, you know, in wax. And he would say, light of the world, light of the world. Some even say that he was riding on his, in his chariot naked, saying, light of the world. He was just a, a wicked man. Many Christians were martyred under Caesar Nero. He was a very wicked man. He had Christians uh, fed to the lions alive. That was part of their entertainment. And so, Persecution was very heavy when this was being written, and it's here to encourage those that are suffering. The theme of the letter is hope in the midst of suffering. It was written, many believe, around the time uh, 63 or 65 A.D., if you're a note taker. So imagine that. Imagine living during that time and fearing for your life and, and persecution just, you know, just so terrible. And the ruler of the Roman Empire is this man that hates Christians. It's just, I mean, we, we think we're having a bad day when we're stuck on the 405 or the 91, right? That's terrible. I just want to say before we even get into the, the first verse here that suffering in difficult times will affect each one of us in our lifetime. We will go through sufferings. We will go through difficult times. We're, we're not immune to that. I've mentioned this before, I, I've often thought, boy, it would be nice if I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and then I would just kind of float to heaven. Wouldn't that be nice? Just float to heaven with peace. But, but what happens is we live in a fallen world here today, and it's in this fallen world that we're in, there's you know, t- difficult times we're gonna experience. We're gonna go through persecution. We're gonna go through you know, trials. We're gonna go through heartaches. We're gonna go through rejection. We're gonna go through you know, job losses. We're gonna go through you know, people rejecting us, people lying about us. We're gonna go through all kinds of things in this life, but we can have an anchor that holds us. And that anchor is Jesus Christ. Amen. And his word in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of sufferings. We have a gentleman that's here with us today. I, I ran into him at Ralph's Market. I won't point him out, but the doctors gave him 15 months to live. That was 15 years ago because of his illness. Yeah. But this gentleman who's here with us, he suffers pain every day, but yet he has joy and hope in the midst of his suffering. And he's here raising his hands to Jesus. We will go through suffering. I have a good friend of mine that just recently was diagnosed with terminal cancer and the doctors have given him only months to live, up to, I think, up to 12 months. He was just married this year. So there's things we go through in this life, but this gentleman that's a friend of mine, he's going through it with joy and hope because he realizes that Jesus Christ has a plan in everything that he does. I just want to say, again, before we go into this verse, we will experience difficult times. Maybe you're not going through difficult times right now. Maybe you're going through great times, and that's wonderful, but Just remember, we will all go through difficult times in our life. There's going to be things we're going to go through, challenging times. But God wants to use those challenging times for us when the enemy wants to use it against us. And the enemy wants to use it and and 
bring us to that place of despair and bitterness when God wants to bring hope and, and encouragement and courage, and he's changing us. So here the apostle Peter writes this wonderful letter, and he gives us hope, and he talks about hope that we can have in the midst of difficult times. So I want to look back at the first verse as it states, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims. If you're a note taker, the, the word pilgrim is basically foreigner or stranger. So they were strangers in this foreign land. They were dispersed. That word disper- dispersion means to be scattered. They were scattered in all these different areas. These are all the areas of Asia Minor. They're uh, modern day Turkey today. So these Christians that Peter's writing this letter to, they're dispersed. And so it doesn't go to, this letter doesn't go out to a specific church, but it goes out to all those that are being dispersed and being, uh, you know, scattered there in Turkey. So primarily it goes out to the Jews, the Christian Jewish people, but also also Gentiles, and it goes out to us today. The word apostle simply means sent out, one who's sent out. Simon Peter was one of the 12 that Jesus picked. I, I have a hard time sometimes when someone says, well, I'm Apostle John, or I'm Apostle Pete, and I'm Apostle George, you know? I, because really, in the strictest sense of the word apostle, there's only 12. Jesus Christ picked 12 apostles. So in the strictest sense of the word apostle. But if you want to look at it in a loose way and say, well, one that's sent out, and a, you know, someone that's sent out, then you know, I guess you can use that. But I, I just my personal thing. Just I'm, I'm not standing behind the pulpit. I'm over here. So... But that's my personal opinion. I have a problem when people say, well, I'm apostle. I mean, I've met people like this. Hi, I'm Apostle John. It's like, uh, well, I'm not going to call you Apostle John if you don't mind. It's just... Uh, there's 12, and Peter was one of the 12. There was three prominent leaders during the time of the early church. Actually, four, but the, the three that, that we read about quite a bit is there's Peter, as we're reading about Paul, and, and then John. But also James was uh, one of the main leaders also. So you have those four. But this is interesting. This is a great note to take if you've never heard this before. Uh, Paul the Apostle, he was the Apostle of Faith. He's known as the Apostle of Faith. Peter here is known as the Apostle of Hope, as we just said. But John was the Apostle of Love. So we have faith, hope, and love wrapped up in these three writers. I thought that to be very interesting. Do you know this? Check this out. Do you know the Apostle Peter's name is mentioned in the gospel more than anyone other than Jesus Christ? Did you know that no one speaks in the gospel accounts more often than Peter does other than Jesus? Do you know that Jesus spoke more to Peter than any other individual? Did you know that Jesus also rebuked Peter more than any other disciple? (laughs) Yes, that's what happens when your mouth is open a lot. You, you can say some crazy things. Do you know that Jesus praised Peter more than any of the disciples? And again, Peter was an uneducated fisherman. But when we dig into this letter, we're going to realize he is a very learned man. And we know the reason because we read about it in Acts chapter 4 because they were astonished by him and they said, isn't this, he's an uneducated man, but the key was he spent time with Jesus. He spent three years with Jesus. And I pray as we 
glean off of this man's writing that we'll realize the key is spending time with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Look at verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Some people get all kind of riled up when they read that word elect. According to the foreknowledge of God. And you get... We, we have debates. We have great debates about election and, and free will and all this kind of crazy stuff. I, I really, you know, I'm kind of a simple person, and I kind of see it in a simple way. God is able to elect somebody because of the fact that God is all-knowing. If God is all-knowing, he can elect people. So if God knew the day you accepted Christ, you used your free will to accept Christ, well, God being outside of time, knowing all things from beginning to end, he knew that you were going to come to know him in a saving way so he can elect you according to his foreknowledge. And I find that simple, you know, personally. You know, I, some people, and I, I get people that like to argue with me about this and this and this, but, it's, but it's, to me it's pretty simple. The, the day, October 29th, 1995, when my sister reached out her hand and said, can I pray for you? And I accepted Christ and I asked Jesus to, to come live inside of me. God wasn't surprised. He wasn't like looking at his books and saying, what, how did this happen? I never knew this was going to happen. I was surprised. And I'm still surprised at the grace of God. And you have your story. And you, you know, when you came to Christ, hopefully everybody here has a story. When Jesus Christ became your personal Lord and Savior, when you accepted him as Lord and Savior, and you turned your life over to him, and he filled you with the Holy Spirit, and you became born of his Holy Spirit, and you've been given new life. Each one of us should have that story. But let me tell you, God was not shocked when you prayed that prayer. He can elect according to his foreknowledge. He knows, if God knows all things, let me ask you this, if God knows all things, can, is there anything that he can learn? No. So if he knows all things, do you think he knows when we accept him as our Lord and Savior? Of course he does. I, I love my wife's story. I kind of talked to her about it a little bit last night. But here, I believe it's 1990? Is it 1990 or? Yeah, 1990, when uh, here she was in Scotland and she was... Uh, jazz singer, and she doesn't like me to talk too much about all that, but she was a professional jazz singer, and, and this gentleman, I don't know if you've heard of him, Pastor Raul Reese, just happened to be staying in the hotel that she was in. So Raul Reese heard the, the jazz music, and he loved the music, so he came down to listen to it, and then he engaged her in a conversation and shared Jesus Christ with her. Do you know that's the first time she heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? But she didn't receive the Lord. She argued with them. She thought he was crazy and said, this, these Americans are weird. <laughs> and they got funny accents, too. You know, they, so she, did, she, she, wasn't, she wasn't having it, though. But listen to this. The story goes, I found out later that Raul Reese had a tour there. He had a, a, a bus of, of, of people there from the church. And the next morning, he got on his bus and he started telling about this Scottish girl, this young girl that he was able to share with. He says, why don't we all stop right now and pray for that young girl? But it took a few months before she accepted Christ. 
And one of her friends accepted the Lord and started going to this church, and they kept inviting her to come out to the ch- this church, and she said, okay, and she was all ready. She said, I promise, I'm going this Sunday. I'll be there this Sunday. And she said, sure? She says, yeah, I'll be there this Sunday. And so the Lord is doing a work in my wife's heart already, and so she's ready to go to church. That Friday night, she was at a nightclub. She stepped out of the front door of the nightclub, and somebody in a car had a crowbar, and they threw it at the door of the nightclub. Just as she opened the door, the crowbar hit her in the chest and split open you know, her skin. and and she almost died covered in blood the doctor told her you should have died well guess what she didn't make it to church on Sunday so her friend brought the elders from the church they went to her home and they prayed with her and she accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior isn't that a great story But God wasn't shocked. Do you know that God chose us before the foundation of the world? Most of you know this. Ephesians 1.3. Paul the Apostle writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In the heavenly places in Christ. Now look at this. Just as he chose us in him. Can we read that together? before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So when did God choose us? Before the foundations of the world. He knows all things. Before he laid the foundations of the world, he knew that you would come to Christ. He knew that you would use that free will that he gave you to choose and make a choice so he can choose us before the foundations of the world, this great election. Look back at verse two again, look at that. Did you notice, do you notice something there? Do you notice the Trinity there in that verse? God the Father, the Spirit, and Jesus Christ. There's people that'll tell you, oh, the Bible doesn't teach the Trinity. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't prove the, the Trinity. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. Did you hear people say that before? Well, the word Bible's not in the Bible, but, it, you know, we have a Bible, right? <laughs> it's in the title. There you go. That's right. But we see God the Father, the one who elects, it shows us here. God the Holy Spirit sanctifies us, meaning purifies us, sets us apart, consecrates us. Jesus Christ, his blood being sprinkled, he cleanses us and washes away our sin. So we see the wonderful Trinity here. But back, if you look at the the last part of this, his greeting is grace to you and peace be multiplied. Isn't that a great greeting? He doesn't just say grace and peace be to you. He says grace and peace be multiplied to you. Multiplied. If you're a note taker, the word multiply means to abound or to be richly allotted to you. I pray that for all of us, that God's peace would be richly allotted to each one of us. Don't you love the peace of God? Don't you love when you get bad news and then you, you might get stirred up a little bit, but then you pray and God just floods you with peace? You see, the Bible teaches that he gives us a peace that goes beyond our circumstances, goes beyond 
a peace that guards our heart, a peace that guards our mind. He, he gives us great peace. In the year 2000, as Dave pointed out, this is our 18-year anniversary, and I'm just, what a blessing. I'm seriously, it just, I can say this with all honesty and sincerity. I can look at everyone in the eye and say this. These past 18 years being married to that woman right there have been by far the best 18 years of my whole entire life. There's no doubt. And so we were married in 2000, and I actually I called her father for her hand in marriage, and it was so great. You know, I, I didn't know what he was going to say, and he was literally laughing and just giggling and saying, yes. And I said, can I have her hand in marriage? She says, yes, and, and I look forward to meeting you. And it was just, a, he was so joyful when I asked for her hand in marriage. So shortly after that, after we were married, we flew out so I could meet my, my father-in-law, and so we just hung out with him. We just loved on him, but he wasn't a believer at the time. And we, you know, we tried to share the Lord. He didn't want to hear anything about God. He didn't, you know, we could talk about anything, but don't talk about God. So we, you know, did our best to just sit there. And then he was a smoker too. And me, I'm allergic to smoke. And I'm just like, this is great. You know, just the room's filled with smoke and he's smoking away. But God protected us. We didn't get sick. But we knew we were leaving soon and we were praying for him at, at nighttime when we were alone and, and something just happened. The Lord was just there in that room and I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you before but God just kind of showed up while we were praying for her dad and, and he was just there and it was just a sweet time and we were, I believe, had tears in our eyes because we realized we're going to leave and he's you know, still sick and we don't know what's happening with him. He doesn't know the Lord and, and a prayer came out of my mouth and I'll never forget. I said, God, don't allow Daniel to have any peace until he knows you as the Prince of Peace. Fast forward four months later, we're back home. We, we get a call that her dad's dying now four months later. So we need to fly back out to see him. Our good friend, Kathy Simpson, was the, the pastor's wife of the Calvary Chapel there in Motherwell. She went out to visit him. The very first thing he said, Daniel said to this pastor's wife, he said, Kathy, I have no peace. I have no peace. And she says, Daniel, you know how to get peace. It's through Jesus. And he says, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. He quoted a scripture. <laughs> and he accepted Christ. And can I tell you, God flooded him with peace. God's peace just flooded his life. And to this day, I'll never forget when we walked through those doors and we saw Daniel, my father-in-law, he was like 70, 80 pounds and he looked, his physical appearance looked terrible and my wife started crying. She says, look at him and she's crying. I said, wait, honey, no, look at his eyes. And I kid you not, from across the room, it looked like flashlights shining right out of his eyes. They were just so bright. His eyes were so bright from across the room. You could tell this man loves Jesus. And all he wanted was the word of God, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. I read for hours and hours. I had to go to the restroom. I'd go get up and he said, Joe, read me the word. And I would stop and read him the word and read him the word. But he was flooded with peace. Peace comes from God. Remember our scripture reading? Psalm 29, verse 11. It says, the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless. Notice, his people, can we say it together with? Peace, his people. Are you his people? Are you a child of God? He wants to flood you with peace. He'll give you 
He'll bless you with his peace. He's a God of peace. Peace comes from God. I love this verse, actually these few verses, when Jesus was speaking in Matthew 10, verse 29. Remember when he said, he says, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them fall to the ground apart from your father's will? So if, if a sparrow falls to the ground, they're, they're very inexpensive. But yet if one falls to the ground, your father knows about it. But look at what it says, verse 30. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me that God is so acquainted with each one of us, even the very hairs on your head are numbered. I love my wife, I know everything about her, but I cannot tell you how many pieces of hair she has in her head. <laughs> but God is more acquainted with her than I could ever be. And God is more acquainted with you than anybody else. And then it goes on to say, do not, can we say that together? Can you see it? Fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Do you realize that today? You mean more to God than many sparrows. And not one sparrow falls to the ground without your loving Heavenly Father knowing altogether that it was going to happen. He knows everything about you. And He cares about everything. And He's well acquainted with you. And he doesn't want you to fear. He wants to give you peace. Last one. I love this verse. God's word gives us peace. Let me say that again. God's word gives us peace. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Isn't that a powerful verse? Great peace. Do you know that word? If you look it up in the original language, it means much, strong peace, or even abounding peace. So abounding peace have those who love the law of the Lord. So, simple message. Abounding, <coughs> abounding peace. Do you have abounding peace? Do you want abounding peace? Stay in his word. Stay close to him because the Lord has great abounding peace for his people. He has great abounding peace for you, for me. And no matter what we go through, he wants to be there with us and for us. And sometimes he doesn't change the circumstances. But he'll be with you during those difficult times. He'll be there during the tough times. And even like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were in the fiery furnace. Remember who was standing there with them? One like the Son of God. I believe Jesus Christ, that's what my personal belief, was right there with them. And King Nebuchadnezzar had to say, come out of there. When Jesus is there in our midst, it's like, um... I would rather stay in the fiery furnace. I would rather stay in this trial as long as Jesus is with me because I can get through anything. If God be for you, who could be against you? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he with him not freely give us all things? Amen? Hi there, K-Wave family. We here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor invite you to our Christmas theater production. 
Step back in time with us to London, 1843. Visit the timid Bob Cratchit in the offices of Scrooge and Marley as we once again enjoy the Charles Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol. This is a free event. Performance dates are December 6th, 7th and 8th, 13th, 14th and 15th. The two Friday performances begin at 7pm. The Saturday and Sunday matinees begin at 4pm. For more information, please go to our website, ccoth.com. Hope to see you there. And God bless us, everyone. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.